0: Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, please open to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in the 14th chapter this morning, continuing our study in verses 66 through 72. If you don't have a copy of God's Word and you'd like to follow along, just slip up your hand, and Nicholas has some Bibles that he would like to bring you if you need one. Uh, to the visitor in the room this morning, welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, before we get into our text this morning, I just want to extend an invitation to everyone in the room, uh, to you who are struggling with the same sin over and over again, and to you who are depressed and grieved by the various trials of this life, or to you who feel like you've stumbled through the doors of our church this morning, lacking purpose, and to you who's forgotten the sweet love. Of Christ for you. I invite you, all of you, to listen to the living and active words of God and allow them to meet you where you are. May the word of God bring a sweet gospel relief to every pain that you feel. May it convict you. May it encourage you. May it bring to remembrance what you have forgotten. So with that being said, the word of God says this in Mark chapter 14 verses 66 through 72. You will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let's just take a moment uh, to pray. Uh, Father, what what a heavy text this morning. As we are looking at the denial of Peter, Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts and you would allow your word to just be planted deep in us, God. I pray that you would guard us from any distractions or any sinful inclination that would say that we are not like Peter, God, but I pray that we would learn from his example this morning. Would you have moved me aside and would you allow the truth of the gospel to be so utterly clear this morning? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last week, um, Jordan led us through Mark chapter 14 verses 53 through 65, where we saw Jesus put on trial before the high priest. And the whole point of this council was to make some testimony against Jesus that was worthy to put him to death. But no testimony of this council was able to prevail against the sinless Son of God. Lie after lie spewed from the mouths of these men, but according to Mark 14, 56, many bore false witness against him. But their testimony did not agree. In fact, Jesus didn't even have to utter a word to correct the lies these men were saying because their testimonies crumbled underneath one another when they didn't agree. And then, after a question, Jesus breaks the silence. Mark 14, verse 61. And the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power coming with the clouds of heaven. And instead of the council falling to the feet of Jesus in reverence of the great I Am, they all condemned him as deserving of death. And some began to spit on him and cover his face and strike him saying, prophesy. And the guards received him with many blows. Jesus stands condemned as deserving of death before sinful men. They beat him, they mock him, and no one in this council stands to defend him. No one pleads his cause. The son of man, the great I am, stands condemned and alone. Which brings into the question, where are his disciples? They're certainly not at his side as he's being beaten and spit on. But I guess we shouldn't be surprised since Jesus did tell his disciples that they would scatter before the events of this council even occurs. Look at Mark 14, verse 27. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But one disciple argues that he won't leave, and I'm pretty sure we can guess who that is. It's Peter. Look at verse 29. Peter says to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. To which the disciples, I think they need to say something because Peter's kind of threw them under the bus. So at 31, Peter says emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny what you. And then they all said the same. Okay, that's good. Empty talk because here we are a few hours after the conversation and Jesus stands alone. And we only see one disciple mentioned in verse 54, Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Peter may be there, but take notice of where Mark describes Peter, following at a distance, sitting with the guards, warming himself. Which brings us into our passage this morning. So let's look once again at verses 66 through 72. And Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you were also with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Church, before we really get into... The lessons this passage has to teach us. I want to warn you against the sinful inclination in your heart that's gonna say, Well, I'm glad I'm not like Peter. Instead, we all have mistakes that we can learn from from Peter this morning. Because even seasoned believers can make mistakes. Even the rock of whom Christ would build his church upon can make a grievous mistake such as this. Brothers and sisters, we're not beyond sin. So let's listen closely with a heart that realizes that this can just as easily be us. So let's look at our brother as an example of how we can walk better with our Savior. So three lessons we can learn from Peter based on this text. Lesson number one, we must deny ourselves. We must deny ourselves. We have to make it an aim to wage war against the sinful passions that still live within us. Daily, we are faced with choices that either deny Christ as Lord or affirm that he is. And if we think that Peter is a fool for having three separate chances to say that he knows Jesus but doesn't, how much more are we with the countless choices that we make that deny Christ the same way that Peter did? Look at verses 66 and 67. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seen Peter warming himself. She looked at him and, and said, you were also with the Nazarene Jesus. The scriptures don't give us any indicators of what Peter's motivations are when he's going into the courtyard to follow Jesus to his trial. But it's very clear from his choices that he is not denying himself. Verse 67 says that Peter sits at the fire warming himself. And then if we look back at verse 54, Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Twice we see Mark emphasize the fact that Peter is warming himself. And not only is he warming himself while his Lord is being tried and accused of being deserved of death, but he's sitting with the guards that had just arrested his Lord. Imagine that. You're sitting with the guards that had just arrested your Jesus. You're just chilling with them by the fire. Nothing going on. Just Jesus being hit and spit on. Peter's actions here are not a denial of himself. Rather, they are a denial of his Lord. But before we even get into the courtyard, we see Peter have this trouble with denying himself. Look at Mark 14, verse 29. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Ain't no way, Jesus. It's not going to be me. I'm not going to deny you. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Instead of Peter hanging on every word Jesus had to say, he thought he knew better. And this isn't the first time we've seen Peter with this mindset. Look at Mark 8. And Jesus is speaking here. And he began to teach them that the Son of God must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter's failure to deny himself has led him to where we see him now in Mark 14, a denial of his Savior, not just once, not twice, three separate times. Verse 68, he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. Verse 70, again, he denied it. Verse 71, he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man, this man of whom you speak. Peter reduced to calling Jesus this man. And as Jesus stands on trial and he says that he is the son of man, Peter stands in the courtyard and denies that he knows who this man is. Brothers and sisters, if even Peter, who walked closely with Jesus, is capable of doing this, then we must also be keenly aware of our ability to deny our Savior. Charles Spurgeon comments on Peter's example by saying this. These things are written to show the church of Christ what human nature is, even the best of men. They are intended to teach us that even after conversion and renewal of the Holy Spirit, believers are compassed with infirmity and liable to fall. They are meant to impress upon us the immense importance of daily watchfulness, prayerfulness, and humility so long as we are in the body. Let him think he stands and take heed lest he fall. Let us learn this morning from the example of Peter to make it our goal to be watchful, prayerful, and in humility depend on Jesus so that we may not deny him. But although Peter, while Jesus is on trial, sits by a fire, warms himself, and denies his Lord, he learns from it. And from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes these words in Second Peter, chapter one, verses three through eight. Listen to what he says. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter remembers, man, I was unfruitful. I was ineffective. I denied my Jesus in a courtyard and sat with the guards that arrested him. I cursed and I swore that I didn't know who he was. But because he called me to his glory, and granted me promises, I can now deny myself. Brothers and sisters, because of Christ in us, we have that ability to deny ourselves. If you're struggling with sin, if you're scared of ways that you're becoming spiritually numb, or you're fearful of your failures, know and rest in the reality that these qualities are yours and are increasing. Godliness, steadfastness, brotherly affection, love, self-control, They keep you from being ineffective. And Christ keeps you from denying him. You don't keep yourself from denying Jesus. He keeps you. The second lesson we can learn from Peter in this text is lesson number two. We must be vigilant of temptation. We must be vigilant of temptation. Peter knew well enough that the situation he was entering into was not going to end well. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him that very night. It honestly would have been wise of Peter to lock himself in some room and pray that he would not fall into temptation. But instead, we see him in the courtyard. And in his failure to deny himself, he falls short. Look at verses 66 and 68 again. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also are with the Nazarene, Jesus. But again, he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. In fact, Peter was so unaware of the temptation that he was walking into that all it took was a look and a statement from a servant girl to make him deny knowing who Jesus was. Just a servant girl. We don't know the intent of how she asked. She could have been like, hey, you were with Jesus. Or, hey, you were with Jesus. Either way, he still denied who Jesus was. So how could Peter have guarded himself from a temptation such as this? Well, listen to what Jesus tells Peter the night that he falls short. Mark 14, verse 37. And Jesus came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch One hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus' words to Peter before Peter even gets close to the courtyard is pray so that you may not fall into temptation. You may be willing, but your flesh is weak. And I think that we see Peter have this struggle, and I think that may be a motivation to why he's following Jesus to the courtyard. Because he wants to be there, but his flesh is weak. And in his weakness, he denies Jesus because he neglects to pray. Look at verses 39 through 41. Again, Jesus went away and prayed the same words. And again, he came back and found them sleeping. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer them. And he came back a third time and again said, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Notice, it's three times Jesus finds Peter sleeping when he should be praying, and it's three times that he denies Jesus as knowing knowing who Jesus is. So how do we fight? How do we fight temptation? We pray. We get on our knees before the Lord, and we ask him for the strength that we do not possess on our own. Peter is a prime example of what it looks like when you fail to pray. But because of Peter's failure to be watchful and prayerful that night in the garden, he's able to learn from that. And he writes the words of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You can almost hear Peter, man, that was me. I was in the garden. I neglected to pray. I wasn't watchful, and the devil almost devoured me that night. So now I've learned I need to cast all my anxieties upon Jesus because he cares for me. Brothers and sisters, be watchful. Cast your anxieties on Jesus. Pray for strength in the moments that you know you are weak. But you cannot, I have to emphasize this, you cannot wait for the moment of temptation and think that the Lord will deliver you when you haven't been watchful and you haven't been praying. So let's just think about a practical example. Let's say you struggle with addiction or a specific sin. That can go from pornography, alcohol, drugs, or you could just struggle with being self-sufficient or angry at people or worried or depressed. So any of those situations what makes you most prone to turn to that? Maybe it's stress, or maybe it's loneliness, or bitterness, or a long day at work. Whatever the case may be, I employ you to pray and make it a daily habit to ask the Lord to give you strength in those moments, to rather do that thing that you want to do to turn to Christ instead. Also employ you to have accountability partners that are able you can go to them and say, hey, I really need help in this area. I'm really struggling. Can you please pray for me? And make sure that they hold you accountable. The Lord is, is so faithful to keep us from temptation, but we can't expect him to deliver us if we haven't been watchful or praying. So have boundaries in place that you know where you're struggling, so that way when you are weak and the temptation is strong, you won't turn to that. And have good accountability partners. Peter had James and John, but they fell asleep too, so don't have sleepy accountability partners, Okay. <laughs> Uh, And the, the third lesson we can learn from Peter from this text is we must repent. We must repent. Look at verses 71 through 72. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Upon the third denial of Peter, and the crow of the rooster a second time, Peter realizes the gravity of what he has done. And his response is one of tears. Verse, the end of verse 72, he broke down and wept. You can imagine the realization setting in over Peter. I couldn't have just done that. I denied my Lord, the one whom my soul delights in. I told him emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. But I just did. How could he have ever taken me back? How could his grace ever extend to me, even though I just denied him before men? Did he not tell me and the other disciples that whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven? I'm sure Peter feels the weight of the sin that he's committed. But although tears are important, tears are not always a sign of real, genuine repentance. Hebrews twelve seventeen gives us some insight on this. This is referring to when Esau sold his birthright and he wanted to get it back. Verse 17 says, For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent though he saw it with tears. So if tears don't constitute genuine repentance, then what is repentance? 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land." Repentance Is the recognition of your brokenness, which may bring tears, but it also means that you turn from your wicked ways and you turn towards Christ. Our brother Peter shows us that repentance produces tears, but it also means that we turn from our old ways. And we have to go beyond this passage because Mark kind of leaves us with a cliffhanger to see that Peter does really repent. So I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 21. This is after the resurrection of Jesus, and the disciples are fishing, and while they're fishing, they, they see a man on the shore, and, and the man tells them to cast their nets to the other side of the boat so that they can catch fish. And upon this happening, John recognizes that it's Jesus. And look at what verse 7 says. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord and when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his armor garment, for he was stripped with work, and he threw himself into the sea. Man, if that doesn't sound like a repentant man, I don't know what does. But I probably shouldn't do that because I would drown. But anyway, <laughs> upon reaching the shore, Jesus sits with them, and this is what Jesus says. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to them, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep whew, this passage getting me. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk everywhere you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Three times Peter rejects Jesus and three times Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. With each question, Jesus restores Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus then ends this restoration of Peter with the command, follow me. And boy, does Peter follow Jesus. Listen to the words of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. As Peter is remembering what Jesus suffered for him, and even though he sat by a fire and denied Jesus, that did not stop Jesus from bearing the cross to bring repentance. First Peter chapter 2 says this, For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wombs, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Peter remembers. He bore my sin. My denial of him, my sitting with his enemies at that fire, his wounds healed me because Christ went to the cross. I can die to my sin and live to righteousness. I strayed away like a sheep, but my shepherd and overseer, he found me and he brought me back. Peter's example, brother and sisters. And for the unbeliever in the room, this is really for you. I call you and I employ to you to repent and trust in what Christ has done for you. Don't stray like a sheep anymore. Jesus is calling for you. Deny yourself and go to him. So we learned three lessons of Peter and his denial, but I want to leave you with one truth that's overarching in the midst of this passage, and it is God is faithful in the midst of our unfaithfulness. While Peter teaches us that we can take heed of his example and deny ourselves, be watchful of temptation, and repent, we also see that the grace and mercy of Christ cannot be denied, cannot be dismayed by unfaithful, sinful followers. Church, even though we may deny our Lord by our actions and words, the faithfulness of God is not swayed by your unfaithfulness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless... He remains faithful, and get this, for he cannot deny himself. Your salvation is not dependent on your faithfulness. Even when you are faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. This should bring you great comfort this morning that although you struggle and you toil and you deny, he will not leave you alone. God does not stop being faithful because you're faithless. As long as you are in the flesh, you're going to struggle. You're going to deny. You're going to fall. But know that when you fail, he will remain faithful. In a moment, we're going to sing how deep the Father's love for us. And I just want you to sit underneath these lyrics for a second. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders, my denials upon his shoulders, my struggles on his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath brought me life. I know it's finished. Let's, uh, let's just pray to close. Father we are maybe we're overwhelmed by our inability this morning and our failures God maybe we are discouraged by how much we find ourselves like Peter but Lord you are faithful and even when we're faithless you don't deny yourself so I pray God that We would respond appropriately this morning, that if we are convicted, we would repent and we would turn to you, God. That if we are just burdened, that we would cast all our anxieties on you because you care for us. Help us to respond appropriately this morning, Lord. We ask all this by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Let's stand together.